tougher last night. We didn't really watch much wild games. They were that was kind of boring part, but uh, it was pretty fun. I brought buffalo, brought buffalo, buffalo chicken dip. <laughs> but you know, there's some buffalo. Buffalo's in the title. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We um, it's a time you know it's pretty fun to me because it's a time where men can get together, eat meat, watch sports, take care of nothing, not themselves. I mean, we're literally eating all meat with no other sides. <laughs> so it's not healthy. You're not taking care of yourself. I didn't have to take care of my children for that amount of time. I didn't have to take out the garbage. I didn't have to do any of that. And despite the fact that I'm not taking care of anyone or doing any chores, I'm still doing something good. <laughs> and so that is, the, is, is super exciting to me. I'm doing a lot of good stuff. I'm, I'm putting the first things first, and I'm also getting to eat a lot of meat and watch games. And so that was pretty fun. Um, some of my best church memories from childhood, we had this thing called brotherhood um, in, in old school churches. That's what we called it. But basically once a month, the men would get together and we would eat like a big manly breakfast and somebody would come speak to the men. And I just remember those Sundays, my dad would wake us up extra early and we would get to church at, you know, like seven o'clock and, and a bunch of men would be there and we would have this brotherhood and we'd eat the breakfast and somebody would speak and then all the all the kids would go and like play basketball in the gym until we we got ready to for Sunday school and I just I loved that and and my dad never missed it and we went he was making the coffee and he was he was serving the breakfast and all that kind of thing and and I just hope to be that kind of example for 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 my family it sticks in my brain uh, speaking of family if you're friends with my wife on Facebook you may know that on Friday I went to the daddy daughter dance and so that was a lot of fun. It's technically called the tall and small ball, um, <laughs> which doesn't fit for our family. Um, but I went anyway. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Molly uh, was a little confused about where we were going. She kept telling me, you know, my friends at school are going to a ball too. <laughs> like, yeah, this ball is at your school. Like, that's where we're going. And she didn't get it. And when we finally pulled up, she goes, the ball's at my school? And then, and then she, she had a lot of fun. So um, she, she had a lot of fun. I didn't think much about it until I, I knew we were going. I pulled in the driveway on Friday, and she came out, and, and Jess had gotten her all ready, and she was ready to go. And, uh, and it was a little scary, but it was also fun. She had lipstick on, and, um, and she, she just looked so cute, and she had her nails done, and she was so excited, and she just spun, you know, like a few times just to give me the full effect. And, uh, and I just decided that that's all I was going to do, that I was going to be all there, no, no phones, no networking, no text. And, uh, and we had, I mean, it, it was awesome. I let her do whatever she wanted to do. She wanted to put, we went to eat uh, sushi before, and uh, she put edamame in her soup. And so I put edamame in my soup. And so that's how we ate it. She calls it hot water. Um, but we, uh, so we did that. I let her do that. She wanted two cupcakes. I gave her three. Uh, she wanted to stay longer. We stayed. We closed the place down, and uh, and she just had she had the best time, and I and I was thinking, man, I wish that every day I had that sort of focus, because um, it was just, I mean, it was it was incredible. And she's still like I can tell she's way more affectionate towards me like Saturday and Sunday because she's still she's still like remembering it and thinking about it. And and I just wished on a regular basis I was just plugged in like that. Uh, Haggai chapter 1, Haggai chapter 1, if you don't have any idea where that is in your Bible, it's uh, right after Zephaniah and right before Zechariah. 
So that's a joke, right? You don't know where that is. You can't find those. Uh, if you just go to the end of the Old Testament and you turn left, um, if you're sitting in front, I think left is the same no matter where you are. Right? <laughs> but if you just go there and turn left, it's a couple books back, you should find it. Um, Haggai chapter 1. I fear that if I lived during that time, during about the time that this was written, uh, 535-ish B.C., that's kind of where we think this happens, all this kind of stuff takes place. If I lived during that time, I were, I were one of the Jews, I would have been one of the people here that would have been chastised for not putting the first things first, for being the person who was distracted and not having it together and, and not doing the, the best thing at the right time. You know, um, that would have been me. I would have been the one doing that. In, in this case, uh, it was rebuilding the temple. And so we talk about being all in and being really present and doing, doing what you need to do at the right time. And at this time, for these folks, it was building the temple. To sort of set the scene for what's happening here, um, to me, it reminds me of this. If you kind of go back to, to thinking about the city right after Katrina, and, and if you go back and you think about, you know, what you're, you know, even just even right after, but especially even a couple months after, uh, especially in some neighborhoods where flooding was a little worse. But you kind of think about what it looked like. And I also remember going up and doing some of that work uh, when we were driving down the road in Hammond when we went up and did some of that. And what you see is, is for one, you see like this eerie isolation. Like it's eerily empty. And places that usually have a lot of people and a lot of cars is just nobody. And then, of course, the debris and the trash everywhere and and right, you know, immediately there's like debris everywhere. And then everybody starts cleaning out their houses. And then there's trash everywhere. And now you take that scene in your mind and you fast forward like 30 years. And imagine if nobody had ever come and done anything. And all that stuff that happened, we just decided to abandon the city and nobody ever came back. You go to some unfortunate spots in the Ninth Ward, you can kind of see what that might look like. Ten-foot-tall weeds, I mean, grass that's just, you know, crazy, and, and houses that are still abandoned that have things growing all up in the middle of them. And that scene, if you can picture that in your mind, that's what they returned home to. So that was Jerusalem. The Babylonians had come about 50 years before what we're about to read. The Babylonians had come 50 years before that, and they just ransacked the place. They tore down the temple. They burned things. They tore down homes. And they took all the people, and they took them all back, and then 50 years later, so they've been gone for about 50 years. It's just been sitting there after all that devastation happened. 50 years later, this guy named King Cyrus becomes king of Babylon, and he decides to let uh, a remnant or a portion of the people go back. So they return home, and that's what they find. Everything's in ruins, and, and they're trying to prioritize what they're going to do and, and how they're going to put things back together. And then when they get back, in, in addition to all that, all the people that live around Jerusalem are, are kind of glad that they've been gone. And so now they're ready to fight them, and now they're ready to, to be a real problem if they start trying to rebuild. So now they've got to deal with all that kind of stuff. And they know that part of returning is they've committed to rebuild the temple, and they've committed to rebuild the whole city. Um, but instead, as it kind of makes sense, I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me, but instead of starting with the temple each person decides that there's some other things they need to do first. And so first, everybody kind of begins with their own homes. And then they move down their own streets, and slowly they begin taking care of their own things, and time goes by, and time goes by, and they still don't quite get to the temple. 
So Haggai chapter 1, we're going to read like a good bit of this. So that's, that's kind of where we picked up, and that's, that's where this book starts. In the second year of King Darius, from the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shephel, I should practice that name, uh, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. So all that tells you is, at a certain time, God told someone to say something. And this is what he told him to say. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, all these people that have returned back home, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So they returned home, and they decided amongst themselves, now is not the right time to rebuild the temple. Verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves? He's talking to these people. He says, but is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? So you ask him the question, right? But you're saying it's not time to build God's house, but you built your house. Was it the right time to build your house, not the right time to build God's house? Verse 5. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. Catch this next one in case you're not listening well. This may sound familiar. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. <laughs> Verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Like, why would I do that? Why would I make these things happen to you, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. You hear what God's saying? He says, because you neglected me, I'm neglecting you. And I'm withholding some things that you need. Verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shethiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Verse 13. And Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the next three weeks, and we're going to talk about first fruits. And, and it's just this big idea, the idea that God calls us to give him nothing less than our very first and our very best. And we'll start by jumping in at, this, at the very point the Israelites were struggling with here, and we'll start by jumping in at the point where they're struggling to give God their time. And they found time to do a whole lot of other things, but when it comes to their faith, they're struggling to give God their time. There just wasn't quite enough of it. Well, that's what it seemed like to them. Look at all the things that were happening. Here's what's happening to these people. It says, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. you planted much, but you harvested little. That's an Old Testament way of saying your stocks are crashing. 
you're putting money in, but, but you're getting nothing out. And so, so that is crashing. It also says this was happening to them. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. That sounds familiar. Some things in the Bible just, they just transcend time more clearly than others. Um, sometimes, sometimes when I think about getting a raise, you know, I have like this sort of like Eeyore mindset, you know? Like, what's the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, it just feels like as soon as you get the raise, you know, the washer's going to break, the tuition increases. Sometimes I want to be like, just save me the trouble and keep the raise because I'm not, I'm not getting to spend it. And, and that just seems to be a kind of thing that happens over and over and over. And, and, and that's the kind of thing that they've got going on. And you just think about the time that you had, you know, and maybe you're not there right now or maybe you are. I just remember it, it seems to all happen together but when this breaks and that breaks and that breaks and you've got to pay for everything all at once and if that's not enough, you've got a couple more problems coming and that's the place that these people are in. And in that time, God shows up with a word. Imagine where your mindset is in that time. And God shows up in that time and it's not how are you. Hey, I'm here to help. It doesn't show up with something like that. Instead, when you feel beaten down, God shows up and he says, hey, why are you neglecting me? And you're thinking, neglecting you? I'm neglecting everything. I'm struggling in every area. But God says, why are you neglecting me? Why are you not giving me your money? Why are you not giving me your time? Why are you just focusing on you? And it's a pretty challenging thing to put yourself there and to think that's what God shows up to say. We're going to walk through and, and, and see why this is the starting point. But, but, but first of all, here's what they do. And this is, this is where I begin every time I feel like like I'm being pressed on something when somebody else comes and preaches or when I'm studying and I'm realizing, like, I'm not very good at this. Something needs to change. I start at the same place they did, and they start by making excuses. You know, the first thing they do is begin to make excuses, and they make some good ones too. Some ones that unfortunately sound really familiar to me, they start with, well, God, the, the big problem is we don't have the time. We don't have the time. We can't give you the time because we don't have any extra. Like there's too much else to do. Don't you know it's a recession? Like we've got, we're, we're doing all we can to get food inside, to make enough money to live, and even with all that we're doing, there's still not yet enough. So God, we just don't quite have enough time. And they're like, hey God, look at all the projects we've got to do around our house. My house is like, it, it's just a never-ending project. It's just one monster project. And there's always a little something extra to do. And they're kind of like, we got all these things to do around our house. I mean, God, I know the temple looks bad, but nobody has to live there. we got to live in our homes. Should we just live in a dump so the temple can look good? I mean, I mean you, you saw what this place looked like when we got here. We've got a lot of work to do for ourselves. I think if you kind of read between the lines, another thing they says here is, God, I'm just in a season in life where I don't have any extra time. You know, and, and, and the older you get, you know, and you just begin to realize when I was in college, I was like, oh, I'm, or when I was in high school, I said, well, when I'm in college, I don't have free time, you know, not, not playing sports, you know, I don't have as much homework, time I have some free time. And then I got to college, and that turned out not to be true. And I said, when I graduate college and I have homework to do, I have a lot of free time. And then there was this glorious, like, like, like two years in there where I had free time. And then I had a child. 
And then I'm like, man, I thought I didn't have free time before. Now I, I don't have any free time. I mean, like, free time is time to do laundry. That's what free time is. And, and, and so they're like, God, I'm just in a season where I don't have any extra time. But that season just kind of keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, and it never quite seems to end. And these excuses that they make are, are especially painful because I say them all the time. And sometimes I say them out loud. Sometimes I'm just consoling myself. Uh, Billy Sunday, I've told you guys a couple times, I'm sure you remember <laughs> most everything that I say. Um, Billy Sunday was the first missionary book that I ever read. I'd never really heard of missionaries. Um, when I was a young kid, my mom gave me a book, and it was about Billy Sunday and, and sort of his, uh, he was an evangelist really. But um, she gave me this book, and, and there, was, there was this quote was in it. Um, but Billy Sunday said, an excuse is the skin of reason stuffed with a lie. <laughs> the skin of reason stuffed with a lie. Like, it, it looks good on the outside. When we dig a little deeper, it just ends up not really being true. And we, I, will be at a good starting place if we'll recognize that the excuses are just that. That they're excuses that we make. Because the reality is, and, and, and if we stop and think, we make time for the things that we want to do. And I find the time to, 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 to get to work. I've built work into my schedule. It's a priority. We need to eat. I need to be there. Or otherwise, the work doesn't continue on. You know, so I've got to go there. I built it into my schedule. I don't miss it. It's a priority for me. You know what else I do every day? I eat every day. We find a way to have groceries or something. We, we sit down, and sometimes I skip lunch because I get too busy, but I never skip lunch and dinner. I mean, I'm finding some time to eat in the day because it's important. I had a whole lot to do two weeks ago. You know, I just felt swamped. You know what we did? We went to two parades on Saturday. You know, because I just find the time to do the things that I want to do. I find the time to see my family. Um, and I'm just finding time to do all the things that are absolutely most important. And, and I don't give my family all the time, but because they're a priority to me, I, I make the time. But when it comes to this devotion to, to God, when it comes to giving Him the time, and when it comes to, to, to really spending time there, sometimes we treat it like we do when our, you know, like when my daughter wants to go to the playground, and I said, we may go to the playground if there's time. And then we're in the car later, and you know what she heard. We're definitely going to the playground. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm like, no, I said, we'll do it if there's time. <laughs> and I feel like that's what I'm telling God all the time. You know, like, like I'll get around to, to being a servant, and I'll get around to all that stuff, like, if there's time. I didn't make you a guarantee. Don't act like I did. <laughs> I said, if there's time, I'm going to do it. And through the prophet, God says something really interesting about their excuses. They're really, really valid excuses. They're great excuses that I use all the time. He says, the reality is many of the consequences you're suffering right now are a result of the way you've organized your time, are chiefly a result of, 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 of you neglecting me. And so your excuses are, are coming back on you and they're making it worse. And you not giving me the time that you should give me is making your life that much more challenging. He says some of the hard things that you're going through are not just natural cause and effect. I'm literally withholding things from you so that I can get your attention. Because I want you to turn back to me. Because I know that not quite having enough time is not near as bad as not having me. 
And I know that not having all the money you need is not near as bad as not having me. And so I'm totally fine with holding some of those things so that you will say, oh no, what am I going to do? And maybe you will turn back to me. And so I'm going to withhold, I, I am withholding some of that stuff for that very reason. He says, you have not because I have not given to you. You don't have the things you need because I haven't given, given them to you. I think I wrote, yeah, God withholds from us what we don't give to him first. And we'll find that we've got less and less of it, the less that we give it to him first. And so what ended up happening for these people, and sometimes this is a, this is a familiar place for me, what ended up happening is, is they lived in like this constant frustration and discontentment. Never quite fully satisfied. You get the house. Everybody's so excited to buy their first house. <laughs> and then you find out it's a lot of work. You know, and it's exciting and you're glad to have it, you know. And it's like a real mile marker, but it's not all the things you thought it would be. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. And so you get the thing that you wanted, but, you know, cost you a lot more. You get the bigger house only to find out you got more, more floors to clean. You know, you downsize because that's what you wanted because the one was too big and then you find out you don't have enough space for all your extra stuff. And you get the thing that you want and it never quite turns out to be just what you wanted it to be. You got the better job but the money's not quite enough somehow immediately when you got the, the, the raise, three other things went up so now you're just, you're just, you're still, you're further behind than you were before, just not as far behind as you would have been if you didn't get the raise. And and then your 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 kids aren't so busy. You've been you've been wanting more time. So finally, your kids aren't so busy. You get that thing that you wanted, and then you miss the time that you used to get to have with your kids. And you you just there's so many things that we want, and then we finally get them, and it's just not quite what we wanted them to be. And we live in this space that they lived in. These 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 Jews that. That, man, they, they got some of the things that they wanted. They finally got to return home to Jerusalem. They finally got so many things that they wanted. But because they refused to give first to God, it was just never quite enough. And the reality is if we devote ourselves to, to sowing and eating and drinking and clothing ourselves and earning wages, but we neglect our ministry and what we've been called to do in the body of Christ, we just live forever in that space never quite having enough of the things that we're withholding. And maybe it's time, maybe it's money, and maybe it's something else, but it's a constant issue. So I ask you just, just to pause for a minute. Ask yourself that, that question. So just a little bit of self-reflection. Uh, what is that thing? What are you withholding from God that He is in turn likely withholding from you? Uh, are you giving Him your leftover time? And subsequently finding out that you don't have time for all the other things? Are you giving him your leftover money or none at all? And subsequently finding out that you don't have enough? Are you giving, leading your family almost no time, leftover time or no time? Subsequently finding that they're not really following your example? Because that's, that's the kind of thing that we're seeing here in this passage. And so if you find yourself there and you got that thing in your brain and you're like, yeah, I kind of got that going on, but what do I do now? Like how do, I, like, how do I make that change? Because more time doesn't appear tomorrow and more money certainly doesn't appear tomorrow. So, so where do I go from here? 
And, and this is where he says, he says it two times in the passage if you read through. And anytime you see something right close to one another that, that where, where, where Scripture says something twice, right in a row, it's probably because they really want to emphasize that thing. And this is the only thing he, he, he says twice in the whole verse. And this is what he says. Where do I go from here? He says, give some thought to your ways. Let's just start there. So we're, we're in a good place now. So if you, if you took that time a minute ago and, and you actually gave some thought to your ways, you already got started. Congrats, pat yourself on the back. He says, give some thought to your ways. I was in the grocery store yesterday. I'm buying stuff to prepare my, my world-famous buffalo dip. And um, everything I make is world-famous, in case you, you haven't known. I said about everything. Um, but so I'm in there. I'm buying the stuff. I've had this little list. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not real good in the grocery store. My wife knows I'm a little bit incompetent when I get in there. It takes me a long, long time to get just a few things because every grocery store is different. Some people put the beans here. Some people put the beans there. Some people put all the sauces together. Some people have a spe specific Mexican section, you know, and, and then, you know, they just they don't all do it the same. It's real confusing to me. So I'm in there. Jess is looking at something else. She finally comes to get me. She's finished getting 45 things. I'm getting six, yeah. She comes to get me, and, uh, and she, she's like, let me see what you got. And I'm like, you don't have to check what I got. I got the stuff. And, um, but she checks it, and, and as it turns out, I had gotten, um, I'd gotten uh, sour cream instead of cream cheese. <laughs> and they're right next to each other. They both say cream in there. You know, it's it confusing. But anyway, so I got the wrong thing. So she corrects that for me. And uh, but I struggle in the grocery store. You know, there's so many people, so many baskets. Everybody seems to know what they're doing. Nobody's standing in the aisle just, just starry-eyed like I am. And so I'm just, I'm confused in that moment. And in the frenzy, it, it's hard to shop. If you've ever been with me in the drive-thru, I told you guys this before, but, you know, I also, like, if I'm at, at McDonald's and, and, like, four people are behind me, I just can't order. It's too fast, you know? <laughs> Like, I need time, you know, and my wife has to order. I don't know why I struggle. If you ever played a board game with me that requires you to think fast, I just, I get none right. You're like, I thought you were smart. You're so dumb. <laughs> You've got none of these. I don't know why. I could just can't, I can't slow down. I, I really struggle to, like, to slow down, think about what's going on. I'm not good at any of that kind of stuff. And, and what he says in the passage is, is he says, give some thought to your ways. Like, remove yourself for a minute from the hassle and, and, and stop from, from everything that you've got going so fast. And he says, give some thought to your ways. What are the first fruits of my time? How do I give God the very first piece of my schedule? How do I give that to God and then put everything else in order? Like, what does that look like for me? How do I slow down and give it some thought? I, it'd be okay, I think, if you checked out now and you just figured that one piece out. That would be huge. That'd be huge if you could figure that out. I, I was digging through and I was thinking about this for me, and, and, and it can look different, but, but the reality was is that I'm, I, I feel like I'm not doing that. I'm doing, I'm doing a lot more than I used to be doing, but, man, I'm just doing it in the very end of the day, or, I'm, or it's happening if I happen to get to it. And so I, I've been sort of processing through some of this this week. Where he says, give some thought to your ways. And, but the second thing that I think is really clear, and this is how the passage ends. 
But this is the piece that sometimes we get so much done on Sunday morning because we're, we're processing, and if we manage to stay awake, you know, the whole time, and we really listen, then you, you got that part down, and you really kind of contemplated for a minute. And maybe even for the first five minutes you walked out the door, you were like, I'm going to make a change. But the part where we drop off is, is this part, and it is actually getting started. And I would say, don't forget to get started. And when God puts this thing on your mind, you know, there's this picture in the New Testament that says, it says, don't be like the man who looks into the mirror and says, man, something needs to change here. Yeah, I look terrible. Something needs to change. And then just walks away until he forgets about it. It says, don't be the one that sees the thing that needs to change and makes no change. Don't forget to get started. In the end of the passage for the Jews living in Jerusalem, the getting started for them was cutting down trees and beginning to build God's house. So God says, once you've reprioritized, then this is your first step. Cut down some trees, start building the house. Get started. For me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a putting time for, for church and for pastoring people first and making sure that if I'm blocking Monday morning, that nothing that happens Monday morning, barring like, you know, the death of a loved one, you know, that I'm, that I'm giving it that time. Because, I mean, I'm the worst about saying, oh, you know what? Something popped up. Google News is so exciting today, you know. And so I'm going to read an article, and now that turned into an hour. And that may seem like small potatoes, but I find myself, Sunday rolled around, and there were three people that I wanted to connect with this week, and there were six things that I wanted to accomplish. And the next thing you know, it's Saturday at 6. <laughs> and I'm like, man, here we are. There were so many things last Sunday that I was like, I'm going to make that change. And then I open my Bible again on Sunday, and I'm like, there were my notes from last week. And I would say, do the same thing that, that God, through the prophet, tells them to do, is get started. Maybe your starting point is ministering to people in your family. Maybe it's, it's ministering to people in your small group. Maybe it's making it to small group. Maybe it's uh, finally having that, that prayer time that you keep saying, you know, I need to do that. Man, life is different when I pray. Um, and maybe it's actually getting around to doing that. Maybe it's reading the Word. Maybe it's consciously, I don't know if I said this, maybe it's consciously leading a family in their faith. But there's, there's, some, there's some parts, though, that you need to carve out, especially when it comes to your time. And, man, I, I, I can't place that for you. But don't forget to get started. Here's what God says in Malachi. It's two books down from, from where we are now. God says in Malachi, he says, uh, he says, here's what I'm doing. As you begin to do that, I am waiting to pour out blessings beyond what you can imagine. Can you imagine that? You know what that sounds to me like in the context of this? It sounds like free time. It sounds like free time. It's like he's saying, you don't have enough time? Give me your time first. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create the time you need for everything else. And yeah, there may be some unnecessary things that you need to drop, but I'm going to create the time that you need. Right now, you don't have it because you're not giving me any of it. And that sounds incredible. And, and if we're going to walk in faith and we're going to begin to experience some of that abundant blessing that God promises us, it's going to begin with us giving God our very first and our very best, our first fruits. I'm going to finish with this um, there was, this, uh, there was this professor and uh, taught, taught a business class. It was about time management. And um, so this professor comes in one day and uh, he puts a, a clear glass on the table. And first he, he fills it all the way up to the top with these big rocks. 
And, uh, and he asked everybody, is the glass full? And so I said, yeah, yeah, it's full. He fills it to the top. And then he gets out uh, a bunch of pea gravel. And he pours all the pea gravel in and kind of spills in space around the rocks. And then he says, is it full? And, and you know, they're not going to be fooled now. So they're like, no, it's not full. So he says, yeah, that's right. So then he gets some sand and he pours it in. And then the sand fills in all the empty spaces. And then he says, is it full? And they, they're not going to be fooled again. And they say no. And, and he says, well, what else can go? And, and so some of them think of it and, and they say, you can pour some water in there. So then he pours some water in and he fills it to the top. And, uh, and, and then he says, so, so what's the point of this? You know, long ago you thought I was full, but now I got a, you know, I got a whole lot more in here. What's the point? And, uh, and, and some people say, well, the point is, you know, you can fit a lot more in than you think. And he says, no, the, the point is, uh, I could have never got the big rocks in here if I hadn't started with them. I could have never got the big things in. I could have never fit the most important things in here if I didn't start with them. Because I start with all the other stuff and slowly I fill up and then I find that I can't squeeze these in there anymore. And that's the way that, that we live out our faith. Boy, my faith is the big thing. It's the one thing in all of the things that last for eternity. It's the big one that I'm really concerned about. But you, just like me, will never find the time for our faith with what's left. Everything else comes first, and then I, I put that in once everything else has been accomplished. And it is the first thing to get cut whatever it may be, if I run out of time. And so we never, we never find the time. You won't fit your faith in later. It's got to be the thing that comes first. Let me pray.